Hello, and thank you for listening to Literacy Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Cheryl Lundy-Swift. Today, I'm here with Leslie Zoroya, Project Director of Reading and Language Arts at Los Angeles County of Education. Leslie, welcome back. <laughs> thank you. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me, Dakota Taylor Swift. <laughs> back again. <laughs> yes, we are super excited to have you back for our final episode in the series. Yeah. We called it Putting the Pieces Together, Building an Effective Literacy System. We have learned a ton from you uh, mm -hmm. since talking to you. Like we've learned, um, you know, exactly what district personnel and school leaders, teachers, and even paraprofessionals and literacy coaches can do to build an effective tier one literacy system. That's going to obviously make sure that students become more proficient in reading, right. um, which I think is fantastic. Now, today, this is a really super important uh, group that I think uh, everyone will really appreciate that we're highlighting, and that is families and caregivers. Yeah, really excited to talk about families and caregivers. So important. Yes. So thanks again for being here, Leslie. Super excited. <laughs> so now let's let's just hop to it. Okay. What do you see as, as a role of families and caregivers in building an effective tier one literacy program in a school community? Well, um, I'd say they're an integral piece of it. And it's one that I think we have not always leveraged to, to really make the best of, of what we can do with families. Yeah. I think we're good at inviting people to school and having events and things like that. But there are also there's other things that we can be doing with parents to actually leverage instruction. And I was thinking about this the other day. We interviewed um, on our podcast. Um, we interviewed Kareem Weaver from the Right to Read documentary, and we were talking about the role of families. And he said, you know, there's a narrative that families don't care, and that is a narrative that I really want to abolish because it is not true. I have never spoken to a parent who said, I don't care if my kid learns to read. <laughs> no one says that, right? No one. <laughs> and yeah. And so I want to talk first about a couple of key initiatives around families that can really help bring this tier one literacy program to the next level. So the first one is centered on your school culture and environment. So thinking about do families feel welcome at your school? Do they actually come? when you have parent events and meetings, are they sort of engaged with the school? And, and this can be in lots of different ways. You know, do they read the notices that go home? Can they read the notices that go home? Hmm. Do they come in for meetings when asked? Do they know their teacher really well? Do they know how to, how to get a hold of their teacher? You know, and the principal, do they know the, the, these people by name? Sure. Do they feel like the school is addressing their needs as parents and their students' needs? And so these are every questions I think that schools should be asking their parents, like how welcoming are we making this environment for you? And yeah. then secondly, and feeling welcome is important, but also there's this whole notion of being engaged, being engaged in their role as like the partner in their child's education. So meaning things like has the school provided explicit tools and strategies. And I think this is where we lack as an education community. Sure. So for parents to help engage with that learning. So do they know to have their kids read every day for 20 to 30 minutes at home? Do they know the impact that can have on a child's both receptive vocabulary, background knowledge, and ultimate success in reading? Do they know that? And they probably don't if no one's ever told them that. I mean, who shares the million word study 
with just random people out in the world, right? Like no one. Right. Right. So making sure that we have prepared parents so that they know that there are specific activities that they could be doing to address their student skill gap. So with all the diagnostic assessments we have these days, it's really easy to pinpoint where kids are having specific gaps and a quick note home that could say, you know, or a voice message or a video, a, a, you know, a two minute video that went home and said, hey, you know, your student's really struggling with digraphs and here's what a digraph is. And could you run through some flashcards on sh and ch and making those sounds and recognizing those sounds and practicing those sounds and words. That is something that a parent can specifically do when they know what the gaps are and they have a specific way to work with a child at home. But when we often just sort of send home the packet work for homework, and that may or may not address whatever issues that child is having. And so parents can really be more of a targeted effective partner if they know what to, why, why to do something and how to do something. And it doesn't have to be cumbersome for the teacher. Right. It can be simple things. So, so that's those are a couple areas that I think really make an effort, just making sure that the parents feel welcome, feel part of the community, know their place in the community, and then they have these very specific ideas around what they can be doing to support their child. Sure. The I, time that they have. I love that you that you mentioned that there are a variety of ways to communicate as well, that you can do it not just in writing, but you can yeah. also do it, um, you know, obviously a video is great. I know a lot of people leverage, you know, tools like you know, home, uh, the dojo and things yeah. of that sort that can really uh, communicate with families. I love that. And the, the the concept that you mentioned about the flashcards is something really easy. You can also video your, yourself showing yeah. parents what to do. And exactly. it doesn't have to be expensive flashcards. You can get index cards. Yeah, you can make them and send them home. I was going to say, your students can make them in class, which kind yeah. of reinforces that idea. I love that. What are some other practical like strategies that, that schools can do to increase family engagement, yeah. right? So when, you know, we, you mentioned some things that like families can do like practically to build like oral language and background yeah. knowledge, but what can schools do practically to increase like, you know, family and caregiver engagement? Yeah, so it's a great question because a lot of times schools get so so kind of involved and roped into their own <laughs> their own lane that they kind of forget to to include parents in that. So in our grant pilot schools, which I've been talking about through the series, we have a comprehensive literacy state development grant, and a lot of other states have this grant as well. It's a literacy grant, and so through that work with our pilot schools, um, our school our district has created a family and community engagement task force. So I feel like not only is this a great idea, but it, it kind of lends itself back to the notion we've been talking about in every piece of this series. It's all about intentionality. So you've got to have some intention behind what you're doing. And if the family piece matters, you got to put something behind it, right? You got to put some people in charge of it and you got to start putting some action to it. So they already had a family and community engagement committee before we started this work together. And so the grant allowed us to expand that a bit more. And so, and this group is really just sort of taken on the responsibility for educating the staff, tracking the work that they're doing to make sure that they're continuing to make progress and connecting with families and communities. So the first thing they did was they gathered a committee. And I think that's a really good idea because somebody has to own it. Right. No, I mean, we have to have our lanes in schools that we own. 
And a lot of times we end up bringing the same four teachers to do every committee and we burn them out because <laughs> <laughs> they're young and they're willing and, you know, and all that. But I really feel like school communities need to have different people who manage different pieces of the system hmm. so that we create a system that is sustaining and includes all players in it. So gathering the committee is really important. Secondly, you got to have some data. You got to know how are your parents feeling? Like, what are they thinking about this? So we did parent surveys and then getting feedback on how they how welcome and connected they felt, how, pre how prepared they felt to help their student. Like, did they feel like they have skills and tools to do that? And then um, how well they felt like they could connect with the school. A simple Google survey would suffice, you know, especially if you had it translated into several languages. But once you have some data around how parents are feeling, you can start to set some priorities then. So if the major barrier is access to information in primary languages, then okay, let's tend to that. Okay. And who in the community can we draw upon to get help with that? So some districts will have translators on staff, depending on how big the district is and what their languages are and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but you can use parent volunteers. It's a great way to bring folks in. And I think there are parents who don't mind helping at schools. They just don't know what to do. They've never right. been asked and they don't know what to do. <laughs> so, I mean, reaching out to that and a lot of schools, elementaries especially, have parent liaisons. So having these parent liaisons is a critical role. Someone who is in tune with the parents, that the parents feel comfortable yeah. coming to. Um, so communication is really really critical. One of our, um, we had every month we meet with our pilot school principals and they've become quite um, competitive with one another now, <laughs> which is cute. You know, yeah. when you see, they're like, well, here's what's been going on at our site. And so uh, one of the principals had shared a video that he had started doing weekly. And so during the week, he just takes his phone and he walks around and he films different things going on at recess and in the classrooms and, you know, whatever's happening around the school. And he puts it into like a 10 minute, seven to 10 minute recap of the week. And he emails it and puts it on. They have a, a, a parent board uh, website. And so he puts it on there and he emails it home. It is fantastic. It's just him talking about, you know, and talking to teachers and talking to kids. What'd you learn this week? This week we're learning about um, sounds and letters and phonological awareness. You know, the kids are talking about it. And it's really just such, I mean, if I had had that as a parent, you know, I got the Wednesday folder when my <laughs> kids were little, you know, and it had papers and, but I really didn't get a glimpse into what was happening in my kids' schools. Yeah. And I feel like there's new, we can leverage new technology to do that. So a five minute video, uh, you know, and I said, how long does it take you to put this thing together? Like realistically, he's like, literally I go out every day, you know, walk around a little, then I download the footage into iMovie. And he's like, I spend maybe 10 minutes a day kind of putting it together. And then by the end of the week, I have the whole thing done. I just send it out. So, wow. you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be, and if that's your thing, like that's his thing, he's good at it. So not every principal is going to take the time to do a movie or whatever. But just kind of thinking out of the box. Yeah. What are yeah. different ways? You know, a pa every parent has a phone. They can watch a little video clip or they can, you know, read a little something on their phone or take a survey on their phone yeah, that can really help you um, stay keyed in. One other thing we learned um, I was interviewing, I went to the Reading League conference in um, 
in New York in October. And so I went to a session with Dr. Shelley Blackwell. Do you know who she is? Yes, I do. Okay, so she's out of Olathe. But before our listeners tell 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 them who, who yeah. she is, she's a she's a speech and language pathologist working as a basically an intervention coach um, out of Olathe Public Schools in Kansas, and she did a session on how spelling informs um, reading and what you can learn about a kid's gaps, skill gaps, by looking at their writing, their spelling, especially. It was fantastic. So we interviewed her for our podcast and she was talking about, she makes little YouTube videos with specific um, strategies for parents. And so the whole staff had changed how they did spelling lists. Like they used to do like random spelling lists and now that they are structured literacy, they do patterned spelling lists. So based on the pattern they're learning. And Mm -hmm. so, but they wanted to help parents understand the what and why of that. So she put together like a five to seven minute video put it on YouTube, sent the link to everybody. Parents watched it and they did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just shows that, you know, even on, everybody has a cell phone, even if you don't have a computer, you can watch it on your cell phone and you have a really concrete way of supporting your child. So I think, you know, when we send stuff home, it needs to be clear, simple, concise, not too timely, you know, time consuming. And just, there needs to be a real reason behind it. Like not just fluff you know, not a word search, but right. something that's really going to help kids fill a skill gap. So I think those kinds of things can be, there's lots of ways to overcome all of those challenges and, and having good tools and being kind of creative about it can really help. And asking parents, how can we support you? So I love that all very practical strategies. You know, when we think about this family connection, I think you and I agree that yes, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's really critical in building, um, an entire culture. Of mm. Awesome. That's great. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's some, that's solid advice. I really, I mean, I, I have learned so much from you and I, I so appreciate all the many, many efforts you are making there in California. And I think ultimately, you know, the, the whole country. Um, so, um, I'm working really, on it. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> I said, yeah. we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're doing good work. And I think that's that's awesome. And I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our series. And um, it's nice to have another friend who's so passionate about the work and doing good work yourself there. And um, we're all, it takes a village to do this. So, hey, we're all in for the same thing. So thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks so much. <laughs>